This morning we're going to continue our series, our Heart Matters series. And this morning I want to look at this, uh, I've titled the message, Handle with Care, the Fear of the Lord. Handle with Care, the, the reputation of God's character, which is exposed by our words, our ways and our actions. Handle with Care, the way that we represent God's heart, His love and His compassion. The fear of the Lord drives us to be cautious with how we represent God. It drives our hearts to desire above all else to know God's heart, God's ways, so that the world may see not me, but Christ in me. We can be afraid of God and that that can drive us to do nothing, change nothing. Out of fear, we can bury God's heart so that it isn't seen, that it doesn't transform us, it doesn't really free us from sin. We can be recklessly indifferent towards God. When our faith speaks loudly that God is on my side, what we're really saying is that my ways are God's ways instead of God's ways are my ways. That I expect God to move and act according to what I want, what I think is right, and what I consider best. We tend to find ourselves with this overinflated sense of familiarity with God. That He's my mate, my best friend. Indeed, God does desire an intimate relationship with us, to be in our lives closer than a lover, you might say. But this doesn't mean that we rule the relationship that we sit in the driver's seat. A third option is a realistic, transformational, driving, motivational fear of the Lord. This morning, as we continue to look at heart matters, heart matters that matter, whether we fear God and how we fear God greatly impacts the shape and nature of our relationship with God. Without appropriate fear of God, our faith will remain weak and self-centered. Without embracing the fear of the Lord, we will never grow deeper in our understanding of how our sinfulness affects our lives and those around us. We will never appreciate the impact following God's words, God's ways, and God's heart can have not just on our lives, but the lives of those around us. The fear of the Lord is a heart matter that really matters. If you want a genuine and deep relationship with God, you need to embrace the fear of the Lord. This morning we'll see what that means and how we go about doing that. Let's pray as we come to the Word this morning. Heavenly Father, it is quite confrontational to come before you in your righteousness and holiness. Lord, many have gone before us and stood in your presence and trembled with fear. Lord, I think of Moses before the burning bush, Isaiah before the angel of the Lord, frozen in their place with a deep awareness 
of your power and your majesty. Holy Spirit, as we come to your word this morning, we ask that you soften our hearts, open our eyes to see your glory and your majesty in its fullness, in its awesomeness. Lord, that we may encounter you afresh this morning. Lord, may out of fear for you not be driven from you, but driven further towards your heart, we pray. Amen. When we consider God and his character, it is big. In a lot of ways, it can be very complex and difficult for us to fathom or even imagine. Yet in other ways, we can express it quite simply and easily. For example, we know that God is a loving God. Yet how deep is God's love? How much does God love? That is difficult for us to wrap our heads around because as much as we can imagine love to be, God's love is so much more. As great as we can imagine love to be, God's love is greater. Paul says it well in Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. This was his prayer for the church in Ephesus and it's, it's my prayer for us today. Paul writes, for this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And now to him, who is able to do more abundantly than we could ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations, forever and ever. Amen. This morning, we're going to explore uh, a little bit of, of the character and nature of who God is through the book of Proverbs. If you've got your Bibles, open with me to Proverbs chapter 2. We'll be touching on, on various aspects of chapter 2 and chapter 3 this morning. The first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs are written as a letter from a father to his son, imparting wisdom and counsel his experience and mistakes to his son in the hopes that he might learn from his father's mistakes. You know, it strikes me now as an adult and as a parent all the times and all the trouble that I've, I've gone through. And I, I wonder how many times I could have avoided that trouble if I'd only listened to my parents. Yet especially as a teenager, I knew better. I, I remember from time to time thinking to myself that, that, uh, that might have been true in their day. But times are different now. Or that only happened because they made a silly choice. I'll never do that. It's only now that I've made my own mistakes, and perhaps some of the mistakes that my parents warned me about, and, and that I have my own children that I ideally 
value, that wisdom. Solomon begins the first of, of these letters in, in the book of Proverbs with an encouragement for his son to receive his words of, and his wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2 verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. There is this acknowledgement that the value of wisdom being shared is limited to whether it is received. If the son chooses to ignore his father's wisdom, then his father's wisdom is of no value. But if the son chooses to receive the advice, indeed to seek it out, knowing that 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 advice at times will be telling him that he's wrong, that he needs to change and fix things, there his son will find value. Verse 5 tells us that the father's words will provide an understanding of the fear of the Lord and through that fear of the Lord will come knowledge of God. How do we dig into knowing who God is? We understand the fear of the Lord. We embrace the fear of the Lord. And the more that we do that, the more we engage with that, the more we cling to that, the deeper our understanding, appreciation of who God is, His heart and His character will grow. But the first thing that must be addressed is our heart attitude. You might have heard it said before, you only get out of it, out of something, what you put into it. In other words, you're not genuinely, if you're not genuinely committed to receiving the message, if you're just going through the motions, then you won't fully understand it. But if you're willing to dig, if you're willing to search, if you're willing to listen, then you will get greater benefit from it. When I was doing my school-based work experience many, many years ago, I was placed with a friend of mum and dad's who had a computer business. And uh, he did all sorts of things from, from going out to other business, small businesses and um, putting in computers and uh, establishing networks and things like that. <clears throat> they would in, uh, install and maintain systems. I remember one day spending most of the day installing Windows 95 from the old three and a three and a half inch floppy disks and we had to do it about four times at the end of the week I received my written feedback from a teacher it said something like this it said Nick is a committed and hard worker but tends not to ask for help when he needs it as I reflect on Nick at 15 years of age I realized that I had a number of insecurities. I was afraid that if I had to ask for help, that meant that I was incompetent. But in reality, my mentor for the week didn't have very high expectations of me. What he really wanted was to be able to help me get better at the things that I wasn't good at. But I wasn't willing to admit that I needed that help. For me, the biggest blockage for me learning and growing in that week was my heart attitude. 
He was burdened by insecurities, probably some brokenness, some hurt and some scars. And because I wasn't willing to surrender that, because I wasn't willing to acknowledge that and deal with that, it prevented me from listening to the heart of God. Listening to my mentor, allowing me to grow. So right off the bat here, Solomon presents us with the carrot, the reward. If we want to have God's wisdom, if we want to know the heart of God, we need to be prepared to dig deep. To really understand what the fear of the Lord is, we have to be willing to open ourselves up, to admit that we don't have all the answers and to seek God. Through understanding what it means to fear God, then we can begin to understand what it means to live. Verses 6 to 22, Solomon goes on to talk about uh, what life is like when we understand God, when we understand his knowledge and when we understand what it means to fear God. In verse 7, he says that God then becomes our shield. In verse 8, God guards our path. In verse 9, God will give understanding of right and wrong. In verses 11 to 19, that, that God will give discernment and discretion, which will help us to avoid the traps of people with evil motives. And verses 20 to 22, that the upright and the good will win. All these things come from an understanding of the fear of the Lord. So what does that mean? When, it, when we come this, across this idea of, of the fear of the Lord, we have these two conflicting thoughts, this tension. On the one hand, we have this negative association with fear. We don't like it. It's this unpleasant feeling. It makes us want to keep our distance you know, like a fear of snakes or spiders or heights. You know, I, I appreciate snakes, but I like to do it from a distance. Um, I, I don't like big spiders in my space. And certainly for me, heights, well, it's, it's, it's more the impact at the bottom that I don't like. And so I keep my distance. And if I find myself on the precipice of, of confronting one of these fears, there's a very real chance that I will find that fear paralyzing. Yet, on the other hand, we have this idea of God, that he is warm, loving and forgiving. A God who cares about me, a God who provides for me, a God who would even die for me. So how do we reconcile these, these two that I, I have to have a fear of God and yet God is this loving and gracious and merciful God, a God who deeply desires to know me intimately. In order to do this, we need to understand that fear is not just simply one, there's not just simply one way of looking at fear. You know, I've shared one of those ways, that debilitating fear. The fear that makes us freeze in place, paralyzed with fear, unable to move, unable to, to breathe. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in the middle of a storm and the light just, the, the sky lights up like day. That brief moment. And there is no gap, there is no waiting as the thunder cracks. And you just feel it, feel it 
permeate every fiber of your being. You wait. You don't breathe. You're just waiting for that moment to see, am I still alive? That, that paralyzing moment when you're frozen. That fear when, when you're, you're camping and you wake up to find that you're not alone in your tent. A nice large python has decided to join you. Or, or you've walked into your bathroom and closed the door and, and right there on the back of the door is a, a huntsman the size of your head. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that moment where we freeze. That's one type of fear. But there's another type of fear. It's the kind of fear that makes us handle with care. If we know something is fragile or delicate, there is a fear that it might be broken. Now, now indeed, we're not afraid of, of breaking God. Conversely, if something is powerful, we, we, deal with, we handle that with, with care also. It's a fear that, that then drives us to be cautious when I think of this type of fear, it reminds me of our, our firefighters. And, and when they're manning their hose and, uh, hose and dealing with a, a large fire, have you ever noticed that more often than not, there's multiple firemen holding that hose? And the reason that they're holding that hose is that they have this very real, acute fear of the power of the water that is flowing through that hose. And they know that if, if at any moment it would be so easy for that power and that force to rip the hose from the hand of one of these firemen. So they handle it with care. They see and know that the power of the water, and they treat it with great care and great caution. I want us to take a, a little bit of a moment to look at the power and the authority of our God. So often as Christians, we, we develop this sense of familiarity that, that God's my mate. He's my friend. He's on my side. He's, he's there to do what I want. He's there to protect me and look after me. We have this tendency to, to want to just wander into God's throne room and make these demands. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, if you've ever caught yourself doing that. Telling God what's best. Telling God how he needs to, to act. So let's just stop and, and peel back for a little bit the curtain to see who God is. God is the God who created. Think about that moment. Think about that statement. God is the God who created, full stop. We're not just thinking about the, 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 the God who built an empire or a building or a river, or a dam. He, he didn't construct something measurable. God created. Psalm 33, 6-9, by, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. 
Have you ever worked at something, creating something, taken hours, days or months to put something together? Used all your strength and knowledge, all your understanding to make it fit together and work? Let's face it. Have you ever put, to, put together something from Ikea? A flat pack. That takes some engineering skill there. You know what it takes to make something. Yet God created everything that we see and feel and taste and smell with just his words. Not only did he also create the laws of nature and science that, that we're still uncovering, that we're still discovering, that we're still learning about. The wind and the waves move according to his will. Yet the power of water is, is not something that even the wealthiest and the smartest people can fully control. And we are seeing that at play across the southeast. The weather doesn't even hold a candle to the power and the might of God. When there is an earthquake, the people are afraid. When the siren rings to warn of a tidal wave, people are afraid. Yet when it comes to God, we've developed this idea that there is nothing to fear. If his sheer power is not enough to convince us, then perhaps his knowledge is. Psalm 139, 1-12. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold it, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day for darkness is as light with you. We all have our own dirty little secrets, the things that we've said or with things that we've done, our habits that we're ashamed of, that we, we hide away. The thought that anyone would find out our little secrets can be terrifying. It builds this great sense of anxiety and shame, yet God knows everyone. He knows all of our thoughts, every word that we have said, every word that we will ever say. There is no way we can hide it from him. Yet this still doesn't make us fear God. God is completely good. Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? who may stand in his holy place. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust an, an idol or swear by a false God. Do we fear God? Do we, do we fear that our words and our actions 
fall short of God's glory and righteousness? Do we fear misrepresenting God? Do we fear that day when we need to stand before God and we are held accountable to everything that we've said and everything that we've done? Do we fear that God may say, Nick, what you said about me, the way you characterized me, the way you expressed my love, Do we fear that that does not measure up? That is, a, that the, the way that we go about living our lives and proclaiming the good news of the gospel, that it's actually a misrepresentation? Do we hold ourselves accountable? Do we search ourselves in the dark places of our lives to confront our brokenness? Do we fear God? And does that fear of God drive us towards His holiness? We looked at last week in Hebrews 12, without which no one, no one will see the Lord. Isaiah confronted this moment. We read about it in Isaiah chapter 6. When God called Isaiah to be his mouthpiece, to speak to his people and proclaim to his people the word of God. This is how Isaiah approached that moment. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king the Lord Almighty. And one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Isaiah understood the fear of the Lord. He was afraid because of his sinfulness and his brokenness and he did not want to misrepresent God. He did not want to stand in a place or put himself in a place where he misrepresented who God is. When he misspoke of God's heart. The fear of the Lord drives us towards God's heart. The fear of the Lord drives us to acknowledge our brokenness and to lay prostrate before Him. The fear of the Lord reminds us to handle God's reputation, God's word, God's heart with great care, lest we do Him a disservice by shadowing His love with our selfish reactions, our brokenness, our bitterness, our anger. Proverbs chapter 3, Solomon continues on with this. How do we engage the fear of the Lord in our life? How do we pursue God's heart with reverence and respect? Solomon says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. 
Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Ever found yourself in a position where you're just filled with this contempt, frustration, anger for a situation? Ever felt like just the Spirit is saying to you, tapping on your shoulder, what do you think you know, Nick? It happens to me all the time. What do you think you know, Nick? See, the reality is that I don't know what others are thinking. I can't fathom what others are feeling. I can't walk in others' shoes 24 hours a day. Whatever it is that, that I think, it will never be accurate. It will never be complete. It will never be whole. So often, we jump to our own understanding. We jump to the wisdom of our own eyes, what we see, what we know. And Solomon says, that's not the way to go. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I don't know what's going on in Russia. I don't know what God is doing in Russia. I can't fathom how God can be utilizing the last two and a half years that we've been enduring together through this COVID season. I don't have the answers. I never could. We never can. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. In all your ways. Not just what you do. Not just the words that we speak. But how we do it. Acknowledging God. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. There are times that things don't go the way that we, we think that they should and we get angry with God. It's okay to be angry with God. It's okay to be angry with our situation. Job did it. David did it, Elijah did it, Jonah did it. The difference is, and we, we looked at this last week, Jonah did it in a very different way to Job and David and Moses and Elijah. You see, these other ones, and, and Jeremiah is another one, Solomon. They did it in such a way that, that they laid their complaint before God. And once they had done that, they leaned upon God's understanding. They trusted God in all, with all their heart. Proverbs 3, 11. Solomon continues. He said, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. As a father, the son in whom he delights. Perhaps this season is a season that we should be reflecting on, Lord, what is it that you're wanting to do in me? How is it that you need to change my heart? Humble me, Lord. 
When we understand the fear of the Lord, it changes everything. It changes how we relate to God, how we approach God. God is good. He is the very example of love. He cares about us and so he will reprove us and discipline us and humble us to bring us back to him. No matter how much we want to be in control of our situation or our circumstance, it's the fear of the Lord that reminds us that when we can't, when we don't know the way forward or the way through or the way over or or we don't have the answers, God can and God does. Simply leave us this morning with this reflection, this prayer from, from David in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Uphold me with a willing spirit. May that be our heart. Understanding that the fear of God is, is, is an acknowledgement of his power and his authority and his holiness, his righteousness, his love and his mercy, and desiring nothing else than with all we have, with all we can, to do honor. Paul says in Romans, this is our spiritual act of worship. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Let that be our prayer this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come this morning and just acknowledge that you are good and righteous and holy. Lord, there are so many things happening in the world at the moment in our lives at the moment, that we don't understand. Lord, there's so many who are hurting, so many who are are suffering. Lord, the weight can be impossible to bear at times. It's tempting for us to pray, change them, Lord. And so this morning we ask that you would change us, change me. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Lord, teach me your ways. Teach me your grace and your gentleness, your compassion and your mercy and your love. Amen.